Man, it's great to see you all today on this beautiful summer uh, morning. If you're a guest, I'm David. I'm the pastor, and we're so glad you're here. You're welcome to come to anything we have going on. This past week, we had a bunch of guests. We had vacation Bible school. We had over 200 kids. And I can tell you this, in all the years I've been doing things, and I don't give compliments out very much, but this is probably the best vacation Bible school we ever had. The leadership was phenomenal. All the workers, y'all were great. Thank you so much for being a part of that this summer. We're in a series uh, in the book of 1 Peter entitled, Being a Believer in a Non-Believing Culture. Because we live in a culture that's more and more antagonistic, it's hostile towards the Christian faith. Uh, and, and more and more people are, are quite content, quite happy to say they're non-believers, and they want to make it tough for believers. And so we're going to be through June and July in the book of 1 Peter. At the end of July, on the Friday the 26th, from 6.30 to 10, I'm just going to do the whole study of 1 Peter. So come, we'll have child care, and we're just going to go for about three and a half hours and study 1 Peter. Uh, and the thing I did last week when I began this series is uh, what I shared with you is that believing a belie- being a believer in a non-believing culture requires a commitment to Jesus that surpasses the commitment uh, of uh, any person to anything else uh, who is not a follower of Christ. So being a believer in a non-believing culture means we have to have a commitment that surpasses any commitment of anybody else. It's just the way it has to be. And uh, so I began last week at the very beginning of the book of 1 Peter, talking about we were chosen by God. And that Peter tells us we were chosen by God as an encouragement to us dealing in hostile times and circumstances. And it is meant to encourage us that we can stand strong in the midst of difficulties. Now today what I'm going to do is I'm going to come to uh, verses 6 through 9. I'm going to skip 3 and 5. I'll allude to them briefly. Uh, and I want us to see what it means to be uh, revealed in suffering because when we are a believer in a non-believing culture, living the way we ought to believe, live with that commitment, something will be revealed about our faith. It's going to be revealed in the midst of, of, of suffering or the result of persecution and hostility. So here's, here's what the passage says. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your soul. So here's the thing that you need to see from this passage uh, today that we're going to look at. And it's this, that followers of Jesus may face hostility and harassment. You may face hostility, harassment, persecution, whatever you want to call it. Peter tells us that this particular type of suffering reveals the legitimacy of our faith. In other words, when you are facing hostility because you're a follower of Christ, that reveals the legitimacy, the genuineness, the realness of your faith in Christ. So we come today in verse 6. And uh, Peter kind of refers back to verse 3, 4, and 5. He says, in this. And in, this, in, in verse 3, 4, and 5, Peter tells us that uh, we have uh, been born again into a living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're saved because of the resurrection of Jesus. And because of that, we are protected by the power of God. So we have this protection in a difficult time. Now, as I shared last week, Peter wrote this. Peter was an apostle of Jesus Christ, still is an apostle of Jesus Christ when he wrote this. And, and Peter was as close to Jesus as any human being alive during the ministry of Jesus. I mean, nobody was closer to Jesus than Peter. And, and he had an authority that came from being an apostle. 
He had an authenticity from living the Christian life, even to the point of persecution, and he, he was influential. So he writes, we ought to listen to him, because no one's going to know Jesus better than, than Peter. And uh, he writes this right before the outbreak of persecution that began in about 64 A.D. under Nero. When Nero was emperor, he began a systematic persecution of Christians, especially in Rome. Now, there was always some degree of persecution from the very beginning. James, the brother of John, died right off the bat. Stephen was persecuted and died. I mean, there was always some. But the intensity was ratcheted up in 64, and Peter will die under the hands of Nero, so will Paul. And so Peter writes to the people who are followers of Jesus in Asia Minor, what we would call Turkey. And he just gives us some encouragement that you're chosen by God. And, and, and he says then, in this, in this, the fact that you have been born again to a living hope, you greatly rejoice. You rejoice. You, you celebrate with unbelievable joy what it means to be a follower of Christ. Now, joy is a condition that exists in the life of a believer regardless of circumstances. So the circumstances should never affect that joy. Uh, joy is not happiness. See, happiness is affected by circumstances. You can be happy or sad depending on what occurs. Particularly like this way. Uh, if you are in some way attached to New Mexico State University, I'm, I'm, not, I mean, uh, I'm from Trinity University, that's my alma mater, but if you attended there, graduated, attended there now, work there, my wife works there, so we have an attachment that way, you, you feel an emotional connection to that university that transcends everything else. That's not necessarily joy, but there, there's maybe a pride, a sense of, of ownership, a sense that that's my university. Now, when you go to a football game this fall, say you go to the, one of the revivals, say you go to the UTEP game, if, if, if NMSU, if the Aggies beat UTEP, you're happy. And if they lose to UTEP, you're sad. But if you're sad, it doesn't affect your connection to the university. You still feel that sense of pride, that connection. So that if you're walking out uh, of the stadium and somebody, one of the minors from UTEP, starts harassing you, giving you a hard time, you're going to defend your university. In fact, you may end up getting in a fight. You may go to jail. You may have to get bailed out, have a trial. You may have to come testify. No, he's really a good guy. He's a deacon. Don't do that. Thing. I mean, something like that. Oh, that case, I may not testify on your behalf. I may go the other way. But here's the thing. Nothing changes your connection to the university. Now, here's the thing as a Christian. Nothing changes that joy. That joy is our connection. It's always there, no matter what the circumstances. Because the Lord has saved us. So here's the thing. Peter says, because God saved us, followers of Christ experience joy even in difficult circumstances like hostility. Because God saved us, we have joy no matter what the circumstances may be. So he goes on to say, though, in a little while, however, even though this joy, for a little while, for a period of time, whatever that period of time may be, it may be for the rest of your life on earth, which is just a short period of time compared to eternity. It may be for a, a week, a year, whatever. You are distressed or you are troubled or you are in some way bothered by something. Something is impacting you. And what is impacting you, he says, are the various trials, or the, or the different types of testings, the things that may come upon you. The term various trials, the word various means many colored, variety. It, it, it's the same phrase actually used over in the book of James. The book of James, written by the brother of Jesus. The first book, probably, of the New Testament era. The first book, probably, written down. And James begins his book this way. After saying, hello, he says, consider it all, or pure joy, joy. When you suffer, you know, distress, suffer, that's what Peter says. The trials of many types, because the testing of your faith produces endurance. 
And let endurance or perseverance have its perfect work in you so that you may be complete and whole, lacking in nothing. He says, you have joy even when you suffer because of all the trials that come upon you. The idea is that because I'm a follower of Jesus, Peter, James, even Paul will write about it. says, you're going to stumble upon different scenarios where people are coming after you just because of your faith. Now, it's not the trials you experience in everyday life. It's not that, you know, you got allergies. It's not, it's not Jesus. That's not the Lord testing you in your allergies. It's not that. It's not because you ignore the oil light on your car and you run out of oil. You can't say, well, the Lord is just testing me. No, you're just not very bright. That's what that wasn't. <laughs> it's things that are because you are a follower. Now, testing is not to see you fail. Some of your versions may even have temptation. It gets the idea that, that we're being tempted or tested to stumble. No, that's not the idea. It's actually to demonstrate or prove that you really have faith. Uh, Back when I was finishing up my doctorate 20-something years ago, it's been a long time, about 23 years ago. When, when you do that, you have to go through these things. The worst thing anyone ever goes through as a student is called oral examinations. In order to get to this degree, you have to have go through orals. If you fail your oral exam, you have wasted, what was it, 12, 13, 16 years of my life have been wasted. At the time I left high school, all the degrees, it was for this moment. I would be a complete, utter, miserable failure if I failed my orals. And, and I can say that because I didn't, obviously, and so I can just make it sound a whole lot worse than it really is. But here's the thing. You, you have this mindset that these people are out to get you. Some of you know what I mean. Like they're, kind of, they're just trying to tear you apart. That's not really the case. They're not there to destroy you. They're just doing one thing. They're not going to test me over all the other things that I've never studied. They want to know this one area where you concentrated, this one area where you're supposed to be an expert, this one area we want to know how much do you really know. Have you mastered the content? And so they tested me to demonstrate that, yes, I have mastered the content. The trials and tribulations of life isn't that we master our faith, it's not that. But it's to show that we have real faith and that it's genuine. Here's the thing. We have joy in all of that because it shows our faith so that regardless of what is going on, Regardless of what is going on, rejoice that you've been saved by Jesus. You have faith, so rejoice that your faith is real. Rejoice that your faith has been shown. So Peter gives a word of encouragement. Then he goes and gives the reason for that encouragement. So verse 7, he says, so that. Now that phrase, so that, translate this little phrase, this little word in the Greek text. It's an important word. I mean, it's one of those words, like, when you read it, lights go off, you know. It's like, in English, you put little emojis all over it. Your little smiley faces emojis and all that good stuff, you know. Maybe, maybe you wouldn't. I don't know, but I wouldn't. And so, it, it, it speaks of result or, or purpose. It says, it gets our attention. And here it speaks about the purpose. The purpose of all that is for the proof of your faith. It's to prove your faith. The word faith means our trust and confidence in our Lord. Last week, you know, when I preached about we were chosen by God and that we are then sanctified or set apart by the Holy Spirit and then that we can believe in Jesus and be saved, sometimes people get, get concerned that we were chosen by God. It's like, well, that I don't, what, what use is faith? Do I not have faith? Is there no place for faith? Well, yeah, there's a place for faith. When you're chosen by God, set apart by the Holy Spirit, 
then you have then the opportunity of faith. And here's what he, uh, Peter is saying, that perseverance, difficulties, persecutions, all these things, hostilities, prove, give evidence of your faith. You get to say, I'm a real Christian. You see, when everything is going good in life, and there is no hostility towards the Christian faith, you can have all types of people say they're a Christian when they're really not. I've experienced this over life. I've seen all, and still do see all different types of people say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer in Jesus. And you look at the things, and they believe in the way they live, and say there's no possible way. They have a fraudulent faith. And the main way you can tell whether someone has a fraudulent faith is, is what they believe about Jesus. I mean, it's real simple. What do they believe about who he is and what he did? You know, who, who he is. At Christmas, we celebrate who Jesus is. He is God in the flesh. We celebrate that at Christmas. At Easter, we celebrate what he did. He went to the cross, died for us, God raised him from the dead so that we can be saved. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but through me. Real Christians know all that. They believe that. They believe in who he is and what he did and that he's the only way to the Father. Fraudulent Christians don't. And so here's the thing that's interesting. Fraudulent faith is never tested by a hostile culture. Did you know that? Fraudulent faith is never tested by hostile culture because if someone has a fraudulent faith says, you know, well, I, I'm, I'm a Christian, and someone comes up and says, you know, what do you mean? You're one of those narrow-minded Christians who are intolerant and who are loving. They go, no, 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 I, I'm not that. I, I believe there's a lot of different ways to get to God. I, no, I, I, I don't believe all that stuff about Jesus being the only way. I don't, I don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. I'm just, I just identify kind of as a Christian. And then that, that hostile person backs off and says, oh, okay, you're no threat to us. Your faith is not worth worrying about. Because it's a fraud. Peter writes, the proof of your faith is more precious than gold, which is perishable, and is refined by fire. You know, there's nothing more valuable than gold. You know, it's from material things. I mean, every culture, every generation, we, we love gold. I mean, you know, I would, I would love, you know, you know I watch, watch all those pirate movies. You know, I would love to go discover a big old treasure chest of gold to blooms. I mean, I, I would love to have gold. All of you would like to have gold. If you say, I don't really want any gold, you're, you're lying. You know, you really are. No one, no one's, you're fraud right there. I don't believe on that. But here's the thing. All throughout history, there's been, there's been stuff that kind of looks like gold, but it's not, you know, fool's gold, pyrite. I mean, how, how do you tell if gold is really gold or what it's worth? And so what they would do is they would take stuff, and they would put this fire under the gold, under whatever it was. And if, if the contents just kind of melted together, it was not real gold. It was fool's gold. It was fraudulent. But if the gold kind of held together and the impurities would rise to the top, they'd scrape off the top and there's the gold. So Peter's saying this, gold is precious. It's perishable, by the way. It, it will one day perish. I mean, if, if, if you give me a bag of gold, there's a pretty good chance somebody wants to take that bag of gold from me. It will perish away. But here's the thing. Our faith, just like gold, is tested, it's fired. If it's fraudulent, it just melts away. But if it's pure, then it remains, and there may be some impure or real that remains. There may be some impurities you have to kind of scrape off, but the faith is there. He says, the proof of your faith is more precious than gold, so that it might be found, it might be discovered, it might be realized to result in praise, honor, and glory at the revealing of Christ. The revealing of Christ speaks of when he comes again, of, his, of, of that revelation of the coming of Jesus, the book of Revelation 
No S, just revelation. Same word. The revealing of Jesus. What will be found? It will be found that our faith is pure, that it's real, and Jesus will be honored, glorified, and praised. Paul says this way. He talks about the end times that Brian alluded to it in his song. Every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, the testing of our faith eventually will come to light in praise, honor, and glory to Jesus Christ. So here's the thing. Suffering, hostility, and even doubt is a test of faith that ends in praise, glory, and honor to Jesus. It, it, it has in result a praise, glory, and honor. Now, some of you may be going through some, some kind of testing in your life right now. You, really may, you may be going through some tough times as a result of being Christian. You may, you may be experiencing hostility maybe with people you work with. Maybe the people you work with have a certain lifestyle, have certain beliefs, and, and, and you're, you're kind of the opposite of that, and so there's hostility there. It happens. And maybe, maybe within your family, you are the black sheep of the family because you're the follower of Jesus. And, and so in that case, maybe, maybe there's some difficulty in your family that you experience. It could be because of your faith. Legal troubles may come, and it will. I mean, we read all the time about people, I mean, you know, the state of Colorado, the state of Washington, have really basically persecuted Christians because they won't compromise their beliefs in certain areas. And so it, it, it may be that we, we need to recognize that that could be a part of your life. In fact, I, I'm quite aware of the fact that one day, you know, government may somehow, some way, begin to put pressure on churches to do or believe or act in certain ways that are contrary to what God tells us. When these types of things come in our world, in our life, it's an opportunity to say, my faith is legitimate. It's real. It's true. Sometimes you even have doubts within, you know that? I mean, sometimes you can struggle from within because of what's going on in your life. And maybe because pressure comes your way or hostility, you begin to doubt whether Jesus is really working in your life. Let me tell you, struggling with your faith is not a sin. There are times that I've struggled. There are still certain things after all these years that when I read in doctrines and I know to be true that I still struggle with. And I'm always like, God, could you help me understand this a little bit better? Could you make it a little clearer? Could you not make it clear enough? And I've studied them and I'm just... You know, and at the end of the day, I just say, you know what, God, I, I don't fully get it, but I trust you on it because you're God. I'm not. I'm a sinful guy. And, and if, I, if just because I don't understand it don't mean it's true, God, I'm going with you. I always go with God, okay? In any debate, anything, I want to know where God is. That's, that's just, I'm going with him. He is never going to lose any discussion. And so sometimes we struggle. Those struggles are opportunities for our faith to be strengthened like gold being tested by fire. It's real. So then Peter goes on in verse 8 and 9. And, and this is, these two verses are just beautiful because the encouragement of his readers have a desired outcome that he's looking for. He says in verse 8, Though you do not believe, you have not seen him. Now, he's talking about they have never seen Jesus. Peter's seen Jesus. Peter knows him. Uh, Peter, Peter was the Lord's main guy. You realize that, don't you? I mean, just read the first half of the book of Acts. You know what the first half of the book of Acts is about? Peter. 
Second half's about Paul. There are other guys there, Peter and John. I get that, but it's Peter. The other and second half's about John. And I say that there's always someone who comes up. David, the book of Acts is about the Holy Spirit. I get that, and you'll pass Sunday school, okay? You, you give that answer in Sunday school, vacation Bible school, you give that answer, and that's good. It's true. It's the, I got it. The first half of Acts is about Peter, okay? He's the main guy. I mean, he shaped the early church. He says, I've seen him. You haven't seen him. But even though you haven't seen him, this is amazing. You love him. You have an unbelievable affection to Jesus that's seen in your total commitment to him. The word for love, agape, means to be committed to, and it can be based on just an effect. You have an affection towards Jesus. You're just committed to Jesus. Not only that, you believe in him. And the word believe is the the verbal form of the word faith. You have trusted him with your life. This week at Vacation Bible School, we had all the little kids. And when we talk about salvation, here's what we say. Salvation is giving your life to Jesus. When you trust Jesus, you give your life. You trust him with your life. You say, Jesus, here it is. That's what you've done. Because of that, you have this overflowing joy. And you're so full of the glory of God. That's why people persecute you. In all of this, he says in verse 9, is so that you can obtain the outcome of your faith. Get that. You can obtain something. You can get something. It is the outcome. It is the result of your faith in Jesus. And what is that? The salvation of your soul. Is anything more important than the salvation of your soul? The answer to that is no. Not in your life. The word salvation means to be delivered from certain harm by someone other than yourself. You can't do it. You can't save yourself. I mean, if I was to kill over right here and have a heart attack and I'm going down, someone, hopefully someone, would come and give me CPR. Plenty of you are qualified. Whether or not you actually do it, it's up to you, but hopefully you would. And when you brought me back to life, you would have saved me. I couldn't save me. I'm unconscious dying. But you could. And that's what Jesus did. He saves our soul. The soul is who you are. It's the totality of you. He saved us. And listen, nothing's more important than souls being saved by Jesus. I don't save them. You don't save them. Jesus does. And that's what we do. Why is it the most important thing that we do as a church is to go help people come to Christ? That's it. Because in the end, nothing else matters. When they face Jesus, nothing else matters. Except their salvation. As a church, there's two things that we prioritize above all else. Two things we value more than anything. And everything that we do as a church is measured against these two things that we hold sacred. One is that we honor God in all we do. We want to honor, glorify, and praise God in everything we do. Vacation Bible school, worship, having a fellowship, it doesn't matter. We want him to be honored. The second thing is that we get people to Jesus. Because only Jesus can save them. Now, here's the thing. I know from 2,000 years of history of the church that when you seek to glorify God and bring people to Jesus, the culture will be hostile towards you. And you have to expect that. You have to expect a hostile culture. Because here's the thing. Hostility is a test of the genuineness of your faith in Jesus. That's all it is. It's a test. Are, are you genuinely a follower of Christ? And we live at a time when, when there's so many kind of fraudulent faiths. 
that maybe the hostility we're beginning to experience is a good thing. Do you realize that for 2,000 years, the majority of Christians who ever lived at some point faced persecution for their faith? In fact, the only group of Christians who for an extended period of time have never experienced persecution are American Christians of the last 200 years. That's pretty much it. There'll be pockets here and there with times, for the most part. And, they're, they're, and for most of Christian history, Christians have persecuted other Christians. Nobody has persecuted Christians more than people who call themselves Christians. It's crazy. It's a test of the genuineness of faith, and the people have suffered. So that suffering then becomes an opportunity of joy because it confirms our faith in our salvation. Suffering, which is the result of persecution. Hostility is designed to cause you some degree of pain so you will change what you are doing. You know, hostility and persecution and harassment is to get you to change your behavior. So you'll stop doing that. See, what, what they want us to do is stop honoring God. People who are hostile don't want you to honor God. They don't honor God. They don't believe in God. They don't want you to honor God. So they're hostile. They don't want you to bring people to Jesus because they don't think Jesus is the only way to God. And they don't want to honor God. So they're hostile. So suffering then, <laughs> harassment, hostility is to cause the suffering, so you'll quit doing that. But it really, it's, it's just an opportunity for us to have joy to say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. You need to realize something. The world around us is changing. The culture in America is changing. It's not going to go back to the way it was in the 40s and 50s and whenever. It is becoming hostile all the time more and more to Christian faith, to a true commitment to Christ. If you're going to be a believer, you're going to face that to some degree. It's not that your life's going to be in danger in some places. It's you're going to face hostility. So this brings me to a question I'll ask last week. How does a follower of Christ live in a culture that is increasingly hostile and unreceptive to Jesus. How do we do that? It's unreceptive to the Christian faith. How do we live that way? Well, based on the passage today, here's how we would answer that, with joy. With joy. Why? Because that hostility is evidence that we follow, love, and believe in Jesus. Our faith is revealed. When people come after us because we're a Christian, rejoice. I mean, don't go seek it. I'm not looking for it. I don't want people to give me a hard time because I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm the kind of guy that likes to be left alone. I don't really want to deal with that. But you know what? It's going to happen. So I'm not going to go seek it. When it comes, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice because you know what that means? It means that there's evidence out there. That I'm truly a follower of Jesus. There's evidence out there that I love Jesus. There's evidence that I believe in Jesus Christ. There is evidence. It's true. I am saved. My faith is revealed. And I praise God. Some of you today, in some way, shape, form, or fashion, you're just feeling that hostility. And I want to encourage you for it to be a time in your life for you just to have joy. Not that you're happy about it, just joy. And, may, and maybe today, we're going to have an invitation in just a second. Maybe what you just need to do is come. You can pray with me, one of the guys. There'll be a couple of ladies up here. Some of you wouldn't want to pray with the ladies. 
and say, I'm feeling pressure for my faith, but I need to have joy. Pray with me that I'll learn to have joy. Some of you, it may be an opportunity for you to glorify God. And so you need to say, I'm feeling this pressure. And I'm having a hard time honoring God. So help me in the midst of this pressure. Honor God. Maybe, maybe it's a chance for you. It's going to come up that you can share Jesus, even with the person that's hostile towards you. So maybe you just need to pray, help me, help me to find a way to help them come to Jesus. I don't know if it'll work. I don't know. Make it an opportunity. I can, I can tell them about the Lord. Listen, some of you may just want to come up here and just ask the Lord to give you strength because you're struggling with your faith. And it, it's a struggle, and I know that. You believe, you do, but you're struggling. So just pray with me. I get this a lot. David, pray with me that my faith will be stronger, that I'll overcome the struggle, and I will, because I've been there. I I pray with you because I'm with you. Let's overcome that. Some of you may have someone that you love and care about, and they're struggling with their faith, or they're feeling pressure, and you want to pray for them. Pray for them. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe, maybe, Maybe the problem is you're fraud. I mean, just be honest. Maybe that's it. And you want to come and give your life to Christ. You can do that. Listen, if you don't want to come forward, there's a, go out these doors. There's a table out there after the service. One of the guys probably over there. And you just go and say, I need to talk to someone about Jesus. I need to pray, I need to pray with someone. I just don't want it to be public. Whatever you want to do. Listen, I don't know what you, you need to do. You want to come join our church? We'd love for you to do that. Here's the thing. This is what the Lord wants for you today. He wants you to walk out of here with joy. Because you are a follower of Christ. And that's what you need. No matter what your circumstances are. Joy. Father, what a thrill it is to know. You save us. Give us this unbelievable faith that we can trust you with. And Father, no matter, no matter what the world is like, no matter how good or bad, no matter, no matter the hostility we may face. And it's so frustrating. We can just have joy. The joy of knowing you're the Lord. The joy of knowing you have saved us. The joy of knowing we have passed the test. And our faith is real. But it's not easy. And it's a difficult journey. So for the next few moments, we may need to just lift our hearts to you and say, help us. Help us, Jesus. Help us. Help us have joy. Help us honor God. Help us share our faith. Help us in the midst of our struggles. But Jesus, help us. So help us. Work in us. Lead us. So that we can leave this place, go out to a hostile culture, into a non-believing world, with joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? We'll be here at the front.